What is up, y'all? This is the other dude with Jonathan. We got a lot of football coming up, kind of free agency, draft discussions, and a lot more other stuff to discuss with the draft. Let's just get right into it. Now, like I said, we'll be doing over and over. We're going to do this till we get to through all 32 teams. We'll do three teams a day, Monday through Friday. Talk about their free agency, if they can't, if they have any money or need to address, and draft discussion based off how they did last season and their cap. Now, the first team we're going to talk about today is the Green Bay Packers. Now, I know people could get defensive. It's defensive of your team. I understand. Yes, they went 13-3. and three. But do I need to break this down? They were one of the most fraudulent teams this year. You may, How dare you? They won the N- Well, they were close to winning the A- NFC. They were in the NFC Championship. No, I don't fault you at your own that some of the teams you played in your division are terrible. But when you're 2-2 two and two against playoff teams, when you don't show up when it matters, when in big games, like against the 49ers, that 49ers game, both times, in the regular season and in the NFC Championship game, you choked. 37-8 the first time. The second time, it was almost 30-0 at halftime. Despite Aaron Rodgers and his arm talent, he had a lack of awareness, and so many other issues. And I think people tend to ignore that because of his high passing yards or his touchdowns and low interceptions. But at the end of the day, and I talk about this on many podcasts over and over, we call it empty, sorry, we call it empty calorie stats. And basically what that means is throwing for a bunch of yards, a bunch of touchdowns, maybe a couple of interceptions here and there. But if we ever do make the playoffs, nothing happens. Or they don't make the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers' last 10 years hasn't done anything. He, Yes, I understand. Getting Super Bowl. There's no doubt in my mind he's a future Hall of Famer. That's not discussing just by Aaron Rodgers. Just as a team alone. When they went 8-0, it was against teams that had a losing record. Guarantee some of those teams were in the division. The fact of the matter is the Green Bay Packers, despite their record of 13-3, they have a lot to... Still to address, and we're going to talk about that right now. Obviously, they are great at home, great away. 6-0 in the division, even though, besides the Vikings, who were, yeah, they were okay. Yeah, they won a playoff game, but it's Kirk Cousins. If we could talk about some of their biggest offseason needs, let's go to some of their stats from last year and kind of explain of what positions they need to address based on the stats of their offense and their defense. Let's go straight to the defense here. Now, of course, you can look at the defensive rankings. They had a top nine defense. But if we look at the individual categories, like the passing yards allowed, rush yards, rushing touchdowns, we see in two to three categories that they struggled on the rushing attack defense. Yeah, I know they played great overall. They had like 49, 50 tackle or sacks this year. But individual numbers, passing yards, Rushing yards, they struggled. They were 23rd in rushing yards allowed. They were 21st in rushing touchdowns allowed. Now, when you ask John, what does that mean? What that means is if they're struggling in rushing yards allowed or struggling in the rushing attack defense, that falls on the defensive tackle, middle linebacker, linebacker, usually most of the time, depending on what kind of defensive strategy that the team is using. Yes, we know Aaron Rodgers, 35. Brett Favre got replaced at 35. Now, I guarantee Aaron Rodgers, stat-wise, I say stat-wise, like numbers-wise, <clears throat> excuse me, is playing really well. But at the end of the day, like I keep saying this over and over, we continue to give a pass at the pass for certain players that just don't get anything done. Folks, this is the NFL. This isn't the flag football league. This isn't elementary school. We get gold stars for absolutely nothing. You'd be like, John, what are you talking about? How dare he? He's thrown 26 touchdowns to three to four interceptions, five interceptions. Okay. What did he do in the playoffs? Yes, it is a team thing, but they struggled on the the rushing attack defense. So that falls on to a little bit on Blake Martinez, the middle linebacker, defensive tackle, I think it was Preston Smith. Those two guys, it falls, that's part of their, a little bit of their responsibility, blah, sorry, part of their responsibility. When they struggled against the rushing attack. They're great in the red zone. 
But again, they were top 14 in passing yards. You think, oh, John, it doesn't matter. They had the top nine. But these small things, if they can address the passing yard, the rushing attack defense and not allowing as many passing yards per game, they could do not just better as a team record-wise, even though they were 13-3, they could improve. But even if the Green Bay Packers defense addressed those issues, there goes on the offensive side of the ball. And Aaron Rodgers throws 26 touchdowns, five picks. But it matters in big games. 49ers lost both times. One in the NC Championship game. The defense can fix their struggles, despite being a top-nine defense. They can fix their struggles, but if Aaron Rodgers does not fix on his situational awareness, if he cannot address his immobility to take control of the game in the first two quarters, then it's over. I already think some of his best days are behind him. We see this again. 120, 115, 120 passing yards against the 49ers in the regular season at halftime. I believe he had less than 100 yards passing. So we see a guy in the regular season throwing up for a bunch of passing yards, but then big games doesn't throw for a lot of passing yards. And this, again, it falls on its team game. You have Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, so there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get it done. The defense needs stuff to address. Let's say the defense addresses their issues. But if Aaron Rodgers doesn't address his issues in big games, then the Packers, no matter what kind of guys they sign or re-sign or draft, they won't get to another Super Bowl. It has been almost 10 years since the Packers have been in the Super Bowl. <clears throat> I can believe they were a wild card team that year. Now we could talk about maybe what Aaron Rodgers did that year. He also had a young, I believe, young Jordy Nelson. You also had Charles... Woodson on a defensive side of the ball at cornerback. Eddie Lacy, I believe, as you know, it's two years later. But you had the guys, star defensive guys on the defensive side of the ball. Aaron Rodgers, Super Bowl MVP, but sooner or later, we keep giving them a pass. They still have a lot of issues to address. Now, based off of where they struggled on the defensive side of the ball, they got those players already addressed. But those players need to work on that this offseason. Those players need to watch film and execute. They can watch film, but number one, you have to watch film and practice slash execute those issues that you had last year. And they could improve tremendously on the defensive side of the ball. Now we translate to the offensive side of the ball for the Green Bay Packers. Despite Aaron Rodgers starting for a little over 4,000 yards, they were still 17th in passing yards. With Aaron Rodgers' low interception rate, they were still 17th in passing yards, 14th in passing touchdowns. They were 15th in rushing yards, despite who they had, and running back Aaron Jones. So, the stats, again, I'll say this again, maybe I haven't. Stats can be deceiving in so many ways, shape, or form. Because you can see a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards. Oh, my gosh. Like, um, Kirk Cousins did his first year as a starter in 2015-2016 season. Threw for 4,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, 11 picks. <gasps> wow. But they got to the wild card round, and they choked. So, again, stats are deceiving. We need to stop giving certain players passes. Now, of course, they struggle on the offensive side of the ball. I definitely think they need to address an offensive lineman in this year's draft. The first pick that they have is 30th overall in the first round. Now, depending on what is available, I would address the offensive side of the ball. Could be a, maybe an offensive tackle, but let's, tr- let's go back. So let's see actually how much money they have in cap to determine what they need. Okay, so they have $20 million. Maybe potentially they can go after Joe Thunny. But you know, honestly, it's not gonna happen. They don't have any they have very little money, so making a big move of free agency would not be smart. So all the guys they have on defense, they need to address the draft. Now let's go back to my question. What is the first position that Packers need to address with their first pick in this year's draft, thirtieth overall in the first round? Depending on what's available, I would try to say an offensive player or an offensive tackle. It all depends on what is available. 
but they need to be like, oh, you can protect Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, because in certain moments, yes, they do need better offensive linemen. I'll give them that. But Aaron Rodgers still has a lot. Aaron Rodgers still has a lot to work on. Because we saw in that NFC Championship game, that offensive line, David Blarkey, or probably pronounced that wrong, basically they, they choked. The offensive line could not protect him against a key, or not Keem Hicks, sorry. D. Ford, Eric Arnstead, Bosa, Quan Alexander, and all of those guys. So they need to work on the offensive line. They have a lot to address. Despite Devontae Adams having over 100 receiving yards, despite him being the, his number one receiving target, they still could not win the game. They couldn't execute. I'll leave you all with this question right here. With What is the first position that they need to address? Is it the offense, offensive side of the ball? Or the defensive side of the ball. We will discuss in another episode of The Other Dude with John Alcorn. Now on Apple Podcasts and continuing on Anchor. Now this next team we're going to talk about is the same kind of thing. Except with a different team like they did with the Packers. Houston Texans. There's We got a lot to talk about with them. Yes, they won the division. But the issue is with the Texans. Despite their finish last year. 10-6 winning division. Even though one game ahead of Tennessee, that is it, is the head coach acting as GM and being the GM and the head coach. That doesn't often work. There's only one Bill Belichick in this world. Yeah, they were great in the conference away. Five and three, home and away. Eight and four in the conference, four and two in the division. The issue, the biggest thing I see the Texans did this past regular season and in the postseason is the execution of their offensive plays. And you could be like, well, John, what does that exactly mean? Now, let's make a perfect example. Division around against the Kansas City Chiefs, you are up early by three scores. You failed to convert on big plays. If you're up that early with the talent likes of Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde, you should be running the football to run the clock down, eat up the clock, and continue to get first downs and not give the Chiefs any seconds of opportunity to score. Well, that's not at all what they did. Continue to pass the ball when you're up ahead. When you're up ahead against a team like that, just like what Tom Brady used to do with the Patriots, you cannot afford to keep passing the ball because you're going to get those turnovers. And it did. They were up by a couple of scores. I think there was a key interception by Honey Badger. Actually, it's probably an AC Championship game. AFC Championship game against Tennessee. But let's get back to the Texans. So the Texans have a lot to work on. Yes, I know they traded for left tackle Laramie Tunsil and receiver Kenny Stills. We'll get into that issue after these three teams. But if I were to ask y'all, what is the biggest offensive need the Houston Texans need to do? Is it on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball? I'll leave y'all that question. I'll give y'all my opinion. I think that the Texans need to address the offensive side of the ball first. Resign Laramie Tunsil. He's a great left tackle. Gave you so much more protection. They address the other positions of the offense and defense after resigning Laramie Tunsil. And the offensive line can do better, protect Watson better. Watson can put up better numbers. But again, we see even with some of the picks that they have this year. I don't think with the Houston Texans, it doesn't matter what they pick, who they pick, or when they pick the player. Because it's the same situation again and again. And we continue to do this like a kid does. He repeat the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result. This can sound like an exaggeration all I want. The problem is here, when you have head coach being a head coach and being a GM, it doesn't work. You bet, oh, John, they have multiple division titles. Yeah, you're right, but what did they do when they won this division? They lost so many times. J.J. Watt's health. Some of the issues here with the Houston Texans, re-sign Larry, Larry Tunsil, figure out what to do with Kenny Seals, but look on the defensive side of the ball. 
Yes, I know JJ Watt did made some good plays against the in the wild card round against the Buffalo Bills. But the issue is JJ Watt's health. This is the second or third time he's had a season ending injury. He's approaching his thirties now, so as a defensive end at that age, with that type of injury history, we don't know. Can he play all sixteen games to give us that advantage? You traded Jadavian Clowney, which I think was a good trade. A little bit controversial, but I agreed with it. But now, you have J.J. Watt coming back next year. Who else are you going to have on the defensive side of the ball? You let Jonathan Joseph go, which is good. He's an old quarterback who hasn't done a lot. Traded Kareem Jackson, thank you, to my Broncos, and it hasn't worked out so well. Winley Merciless, who I feel like is a little bit overrated, so those guys, can they play both play all 16 games and play really well to give the defense the advantage? I really don't think they can. I'm not discrediting J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt is obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. But the past couple of seasons, we've had questions about his health. And when you have a question about a 30-year-old defensive end, his best days are behind him. The Texans, I just... They have money to be able to spend in free agency. But again, like any team in free agency that has money, they need to be smart. You need to divide the money to make sure you spread it around. Do you... How much do you give the Larry Tunsil? Larry Tunsil, sorry. And we'll discuss another player that they re-signed. They're you-know-who. And we will discuss that in just a few minutes. I'm afraid that Deshaun Watson is great, but I'm afraid that he's great, but not that great. Because he'll not perform in the first two or three quarters, come back and win in the fourth quarter. But sooner or later, that's going to catch up to you. And I just, I don't know, despite the greatness of Watson, if they can get to a Super Bowl. Now, maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I never wanted a team not to succeed, except for the Cowboys. Just kidding. <laughs> but... It's an issue time and time again. So if they re-sign Laramie Tunsil, start from there, and then just kind of see where J.J. Watt is health-wise this offseason. Address the offensive side of the ball by either re-signing Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde, which who we will talk about Carlos Hyde in just a couple of minutes. Then work on that defense in the draft because you got guys that are getting older, that aren't playing all 16 games, and their health is a concern, and their health is a question. When their health is a concern, when their health is a question, they're not going to be able to play the same. And the Texans don't address the rest of the issues with that defensive side of the ball and recently Larry Tunsil. It's going to damage Watson's career and their chances for making a super potential Super Bowl run. Make that very clear. And I understand this could sound very harsh, but if we look at some of their stats, I know I kind of veered away from this. Their defense tremendously struggled this year. They were, they had the 19th ranked defense. They were 29th in passing yards allowed, 27th in passing touchdowns allowed, 25th in rushing yards allowed. And that could attribute to J.J. Watt being out. But again, that goes back to proving my point. When J.J. Watt was out, they struggled and tremendously on almost every side of the ball except for rushing touchdowns allowed. So J.J. Watt was out and they struggled. That proves my point because if he can't stay healthy, then he's on the sideline and the defense is struggling. He's getting older, and I don't know if they're going to smartly address defensive guys in the draft when you have a head coach being a head coach and a head coach being a GM. It doesn't work. There's only one Bell Bell chick in the world. You cannot repeat or do the same process that the Patriots have done for 20 years, so stop it. We go to their offensive side of the ball. Now, obviously, Sean Watson had a down year in passing yards and touchdowns, but they still won a division, and they still won a playoff game. There's still a lot they need to address. Top 15 in passing yards. Deshaun Watson needs to limit his turnovers in big games and the fumbles and forced fumbles. He needs to address his turnovers in big games. Because that almost cost him against the Buffalo Bills early or the whole game. Address his issues, turnovers, and big games. Address the defense in J.J. Watt's health. And I think the Texans could do a lot better next year. But there is still a question again. Can J.J. Watt? Play all 16 games. Let me know what do y'all think about the Texans. What is in store for them? Do we think that they can 
improve or do better? I don't know. There's a lot to focus on here, and I'm excited to talk about it. Let's go to our last team, Indianapolis Colts. Now, I know this is going to maybe ruffle some feathers or pronounce that wrong. Excuse me. But I think the Colts, they have a lot of questions on their offense and defense side of the ball. He signed Jacoby Brissett to a two-year deal of $30 million with Andrew Luck's surprise retirement. I already gave my opinion on that here on The Other Deal with John Corden and on Complete Sports Talk. New episode next Saturday. The problem is, I understand putting your faith in guy. Hey, you're our guy. You're our quarterback. Let's see what you can do. But the issue with that is, with Andrew Luck's surprise retirement, he didn't have a lot of reps with the number one guys because he wasn't expected to be the franchise guy. But then this thing totally turns around. 17th ranked offense, 18th ranked defense. Five, they were great at home at 5-3. and three. Two and six away, five and seven in the conference. In the same conference as Tennessee and Houston. Now, again, the kind of style of play that Jacoby Brissett does and has done in his style of play. He's another Tyrod Taylor. You throw you some touchdowns, not a lot of interceptions. You'll win some games with him. You won't win big games or even get close to the big game or make a run for the big game, a.k.a. The Super Bowl. They have talent on defense. They have talent on offense. They just, uh, I just, there's a lot of issues with the Colts. I don't think signing up Jacoby Brissett for two years is smart because he, potentially he could be a surprise cut, and we'll talk about that in just a couple minutes here on the other dude on the other dude with John Alcorn. But Jacoby Brissett is not a franchise guy, and I said this on Complete Sports Talk. With Dylan, new episode next Saturday. Basically, Jacoby Brissett gets more credit than he deserves because he was drafted by New England 2016 and I believe in the third round. He gets more credit than he deserves even though he hasn't done anything in this league. I will say this again. Jacoby Brissett has done nothing in this league, gotten more credit because he's been drafted by New England, by Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft. Third round, 2016. That's just facts. I mean, you could say this or that. You had an offensive line. You had Marlon Mack, a all Pro Bowl, all Pro, first ballot Hall of Famer receiver, T.Y. Hilton. You'd be like, oh, well, John, they had some injuries on the offense or defense. All right, fine. But the problem is with a franchise quarterback, there's a certain extent. You got to put the team on your back. That's why they call you a franchise quarterback. When the team is struggling, be able to put the team's struggles and everything on your back to carry you through a successful season. That's what Carson Wentz said. Jacoby Brissett couldn't put the team on his back. Yes, you could say he didn't have the reps with the number one guys, but they counted on him. He couldn't get it done. It is just that simple. Now, we are going to talk about some of their offensive defensive stats. Yeah, I know. They signed Justin Houston, veteran defensive end. It was great. But there's still a lot of other issues you need to address. They got Jarrell Sheard or Hurd on the defense side of the ball. So sorry if I pronounced that name wrong. But they were still 23rd in passing yards allowed, 24th in passing touchdowns allowed. So we see the biggest struggle or struggles on the defensive side of the ball is the passing attack defense. And we say the passing attack defense that could fall on the cornerback, potentially the safety, or whoever you have in that defensive scheme on that play. A 3-4, a 4-3, a blitz package, combo package, we don't know. But that falls on a lot of those defensive players for struggling in the passing attack defense. We go to the offensive side of the ball. Top 25 yards, they were third worst in passing yards. 19th overall in passing touchdowns that falls on Jacoby Brissett Jacoby Brissett could not get it done if we, let's just go look at stab right here let's go look at it let's see what he did because some of y'all are, are just just blind at it and it amazes me less than 3,000 yards 18 touchdowns six picks the year before he only played like one or two plays 
So I'm sorry. Yeah, you can get. I'm all for giving a guy faith. I'm all for giving a guy a chance. I understand. Excuse me. But the fact of the matter is, he just was never the guy. They put too much false hope in a guy, hoping that would give him an advantage or the hype. Folks, it just simply didn't work. Don't don't try to overanalyze it here. Jacoby Brissett wasn't ever going to be the guy, and he never will be the guy for any team. He'll be an amazing backup in this league. But he's just another Tyrod Taylor. Now, if I would ask y'all, and I'm going to ask this myself too, this this one question right here. What is the first thing the Colts need to do this offseason? Number one. Number two. What is the first position the Colts need to address on the offensive side of the ball? Number three. What is the defensive position the Indianapolis Colts need to address this offseason? They have a lot of money. But just because you have a lot of money, you could put all the amazing weapons on him on the defense and offense for Jacob Brissett. But he's just not the guy. He is just another somewhat flashier Tyrod Taylor because he was drafted by the Patriots 2016 in the third round. Don't overanalyze it. Tyrod Taylor was never the... Sorry. Neither was Tyrod Taylor, but neither was Jacob Brissett. You got a lot of issues. You got the center coming back, left tackle, left guard, third-year guy, and um, Quentin Nelson. An amazing... Offensive tackle. I'll leave y'all with this fourth question. We'll continue with our football talks today. With the 13th pick in the first round this year in the 2020 NFL Draft, what is the first position they should address in the 2020 NFL Draft? Let me know, and we will discuss on another episode of The Other Dude with John Alcorn. I think they need to address the defense. I know they got Gerard Hurd or Sheard, whatever his name is, Justin Houston, but they still have corners, defensive tackle, safety that they need to address. But with depending on what position they need to address will also determine of what they do with their quarterback. They keep the quarterback, address the offensive guys and the defensive guys, and go from there. Or if you draft or trade for a quarterback, a lot of this is going to happen in the next by next Friday. But if they trade for a quarterback in free agency, that will change what position they need to address first with their first pick, 13th pick in the first round. Trade for a quarterback, that 13th overall pick is a different position than it would be if you kept Jacoby Brissett as the franchise guy, as your guy going into the 2020 NFL season. Now, I don't think they're going to keep Brissett. Potentially, this Jacoby Brissett gets cut. We will discuss. Colts have a lot of picks here. Now, they need to be smart about it because, again, a team with a lot of money in free agency can't just put it all into one or two players. Because when you do that, you don't have that money to spread around. You have to be smart. You can't think of just... This next season, how is this going to affect 2 to 5 to 10 to 12 years from now? How is this going to affect my franchise in and out of the, lo- in and out of the locker room, in and out of the field? How is this going to affect our chances to make a deep playoff run, division run, or a run for the Super Bowl, or appear in a Super Bowl, or win a Super Bowl? There's a lot of questions there that go into if you keep Brissett. And if, with the amount of picks that they have in this year's draft... So there's a lot of questions here, and we will address them in the next coming weeks. Now, we're going to talk about here a little bit of free agency today. Now, you've heard me talk about Melvin Gordon just a little bit here on the other dude, but a lot on Complete Sports Talk. We are going to dive in on these three free agents here, top 15 free agents here of the 2020 NFL free agency. Excuse me, that's my stomach. Now, the first one we are going to talk about today is Texans running back Carlo Hyde. Now, if you think about Carlo Hyde, he's a dual threat guy. Obviously, he went undrafted. San Francisco picked him up after playing with this some sort of league. He's physical and fast. Now, they finally got him on a team that helped address his issues, that helped that help him with his skill set, with his type of talent. Carlos had had career year of 200 plus carries and over 1,000 yards rushing and I believe four plus touchdowns. Six 
rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns. So eight total touchdowns. Now in 2018, he had two teams. He was with Cleveland for a very short time. Drafted Nick Chubb. He went to the Jaguars. Then had Leonard Fournette. So he went to the Chiefs, who had Kareem Hunt. So then he went to another team. Then he came to the Texans. Now if you look at it here, what are some of the potential teams that Carlos Hyde could be on going to the next NFL season? We will discuss. It could be potentially Tampa Bay. My Denver Broncos. Maybe the Ravens. Now I'm going to scratch that Ravens out. But I think the best situation for Carlos Hyde is to re-sign with the Houston Texans. Because with Sean Watson's skill set and Duke Johnson's skill set, those kind of dual threat guys who can pass, catch, and run. They help utilize Deshaun Watson and help him become a better passing quarterback and a better quarterback all around and in general. Carlos Hyde had 1,072 yards the first time he almost started all 16 games since the 2017-2018 season. He's never had a chance in this league, never had a chance to be a true starter, but this past season he started 14 games. He served like kind of like a third down back and that, that can also play receiver. 245 attempts. Carlos Hyde had a tremendous year and it could be because of the skill set of Deshaun Watson and helping elevate Desha- when he helped elevate Deshaun Watson's game, it helped elevate Carlos Hyde's game. So there's two things that go- that apply into the situation right here. Been on multiple teams, never been in the right situation. It's been really tough. But the combo of Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson definitely tore up NFL defenses this year. Lamar Miller went out with an ACL tear. So the question is, what did he do with him? They probably released him. He hasn't been consistent. And they would just move from there. Despite all this, and showed up on the field. Duke Johnson and Laura, or, sorry, blah. Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde need to be re-signed by the Texans. Now, of course, the Texans made a dumb signing with their kicker, and we will talk about that in a little bit. Keep those two guys together that were successful. There's nothing that the Texan, Texans couldn't do stat-wise next year. But when you have two guys that played well together, were tremendously successful, then they get re-signed by other teams, then maybe it's just a one-hit wonder. Maybe it just wasn't meant to be. When Carlos Hyde rushed 10 or more times, they're 10-4. and four. When he rushed for 100 yards or more, they are 3-0. and zero. Again, I know it's a small sample size, but this is evidence. Stats time and time again. When you get Carlos Carlos Hyde involved in the offense, but in keyword also, in the right offensive system, he's a top 10 running back in the league. They need to re-sign him, but also re-address or re-sign Laramie Thompson to a big deal. They don't need to pay him top dollar. But he can be financially happy. They can still get the protection out of him. And have that money to spread around in free agency and the guys that they draft in the 2020 NFL draft. Next, next one here. We're talking about Melvin Gordon. Now this one makes me so passionate. It makes me so freaking frustrated here. This guy is a joke. Melvin Gordon. There's going to be a jump where he's... Made a dumb mistake. No, this comes more than just a dumb mistake. You have a terrible agent. I hope Melvin Gordon fires his agent. His agent gave him such terrible advice. The Chargers offered him 10 plus a year. And he said, no, I'm worth, at the time, Todd Gurley, Ziggy Elliott, Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, potentially at the time, Kareem Hunt. All those guys together, sorry, uh, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, you're not in the same light as any of those running backs. You're not in the top 15 running back in this league. I cannot believe your agent gave you such terrible advice. How can you tell me that makes any sense? Obviously, a couple weeks ago, I said 12% chance he resounds at the Chargers. They obviously got Austin Eckler on a good deal. A team-friendly deal, but he's financially happy. They still get the production out of him, and they still have money to spread around 
for this offseason, depending on what they do at quarterback. Let's just go into his stats here, just stat-wise. And I'll ask you this. Do you think Melvin Gordon, sorry, Melvin Gordon added any value to this Chargers football team? Yes or no? We will discuss in a future episode of The Other Dupe. But no, he did not. Guess who was also in that same draft in 2015? Oh, wait. Todd Gurley. Oops. Yeah, I know he had the injury now, but at that time, it's a stupid thing to do. He missed three to four games in the regular season. 162 rushes in 11 games. Average 14 carries a game in the starting 11 games. Oh, he had 612 yards and eight touchdowns. But guess what? Early on when he came back, he admit he screwed up. But he's no longer the starter. Austin Eckler is. Get him involved in the passing game and in the running game. Melvin Gordon would come in. But slowly but surely, he demons his chances. Now, ask Le'Veon Bell how it worked out, sitting out. How did that work out? Take a year off from being hit. From being hit by 300 plus pound defensive linemen? Yeah, that's a great idea. Melvin Gordon added no value to this football team. And you'd be like, John, how could you say that? Let's, before we go into the record and everything, let's look at some of his stats. If you go here to Melvin Gordon, his NFL career, he's averaging about almost four point yards a carry in his career. Consistently, he has. 3.5, 3.9, 3.9, 5.1 in 2018. And he still had less than 1,000 yards. And then 3.8 this past season. You know, he missed three, about three to four regular season gains. Is no longer the starter for the Chargers. So we see this time and time again. You've been in the league for five seasons. You're averaging about six, 700 yards rushing a year. And you think you deserve the likes of top 10 running back money in the league when almost every year you average less than four yards a carry. Even Adrian Peterson has played better than you the past two and a half seasons. He's 33, 34 years old. You've had one year of 1,000 yards. Melvin Gordon has never added any value to this football team. Nobody can tell me otherwise. His stats are inconsistent. Rushing yards, 641, 997, 1105, 885, 612. Obviously, the last, this past season is because of those games that he skipped, thinking he's a top five guy. When we're looking at the running back position, I think nowadays it tends to be overvalued. We overpay for a running back. It usually doesn't work out when you're trying to make a Super Bowl run. Melvin Gordon struggled. It'd be like, oh, he has speed or whatever. Well, if he has speed, why his carry is mostly under four yards of carry? Yeah, he had eight touchdowns, but the fact of the matter, at the end of the day, folks, before we go on to his continuing conversation, why Melvin Gordon is a terrible free agent and he is not going to bring any added value to a team. Melvin Gordon numbers are inconsistent. When you draft a running back that high in the draft, you expect him to be consistent health-wise, stat-wise, and playing-wise. But Melvin Gordon hasn't done any of those things. If we look down, since Melvin Gordon has been the starting running back for the Chargers, San Diego slash LA Chargers, the record with him this this year, was 3-9 and nine with him as the starter. With him being the starting running back since 2015 in the games that he started, they have a grand record of, oh wait, 33-43. and 43. I will say again, the record with him as a starter since he's been in the league, 33-43 and 43 with Melvin Gordon as a starter. And he hasn't even played consistent playing-wise or number-wise. So imagine if he played consistent and number-wise, the record would be even worse. There's no reason with Gordon and that team they shouldn't have at least appeared in a Super Bowl. Further overall pick hasn't lived up to the hype. His chance of getting signed, big numbers would be like money wise or cap wise, would have to be a, t- a young team that's potentially in the running to be contending for a playoff spot. 
But even then, even those teams that could sign you, he's going to, they're going to be hesitant because he's it's not guaranteed. He's not going to play all 16 games. He'll most likely get you under four yards of carry and not going to get you 1,000 yards. Not going to get you 1,000 yards. He's not going to be consistent. So we need to stop right there. Melvin Gordon needs to fire his agent. His agent gave him terrible advice. Look back on this past season and offseason with this holdout. How did that work? I understand Anthony Lynn and the team wants the best for him. I'm not debating that. Melvin Gordon hasn't got it done. Never will. Don't ever change my mind in any way, shape, or form. There's just no way. Now, if we talk about here, some couple other free agents here. We got Shaquille Barrett. Now, a lot of people don't know him besides his offseason. Drafted by my Denver Broncos. 2014. We saw his numbers early on kind of struggled. I know they had Malik Jackson and a couple other guys on that defensive side of the ball. Chris Harris, Akib Tlaib, Malik Johnson, Vaughn Miller. He struggled, so of course he goes to a defensive team who this year the Tampa Bay had an amazing rushing attack defense. But they struggled in the passing attack and everything else, and they still gave up a lot of points. So, obviously, that means for Shaquille Barrett, I think that he potentially, he's a great player. He had 19 and a half sacks, a career high. 45 solo tackles, seven and a half solo tackles per year, six forced fumbles. Most of these numbers here are a career year. If we go at the Shaquille Barrett stats, they're nothing like no other. He had a career year in almost every category. Shaquille Barrett is a great addition to that football team. No doubt in my mind in any way, shape, or form. But I do think, obviously, if he does go on the free agent market, he's going to get minimum 15, 16.5 per year. Now, he's going to demand a lot of money from the Bucks, but also, actually, no, sorry, I'm wrong. He actually said he would take a little bit less money to stay with Tampa. Now, I don't personally agree with that because if you want to contend, you don't go to Tampa. This isn't Madden where you can adjust your roster just like that. Shaquille Barrett is an amazing linebacker for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's one of the reasons why the rushing attack defense was so good. But with a lot of positions that the Bucs need to address, I definitely think they could resign him. Now, will they? That's another question that hasn't been talked about. Some of the possible teams he could go to. Some of these I'm probably way off on now, but I'll admit to it. The Raiders, they got a lot of money, and they're on the verge of contending. Max Crosby on the defense side of the ball. Jonathan Abram that didn't play at all last year, but showed physicality. Bring him on. Bring bring him back on the second year, first year, technically playing. Max Crosby and Shaquille Barrett, the defense is going to be great. Now, I'm going to eliminate my pick of him going to the Jets because Jets wouldn't be that stupid. Actually, no. Shaquille Barrett, sorry, would not be that stupid because the Jets are a disastrous franchise. And I've talked about that again and again. And we are not going to go into that wormhole again. Shaquille Barrett is an underrated elite defensive end. He could go to the Dolphins, who are rebuilt. They're in a rebuild, full rebuild mode. We'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. But now... You got the Lions. Lions, no, I'm going to take that away because Lions are a dysfunctional franchise. We know what they've done with their defense and offense. Potentially the Cardinals. You got re-signing Patrick, veteran cornerback Patrick Peterson. Chandler Jones, who had another good year, but it gets overlooked because of the team's overall record and how they did. The Colts, who have a lot of money, but if they're smart, they could spread that money around and absorb, get some of that money back against the cap. From when they most likely will cut Jacoby Brissett. I think whatever team that Shaquille Barrett goes to, he's going to add so much value. He's going to bring so much to the team and do so much. He's one of the best, if not the best, defensive free agent in the 2020 NFL free agent class. You can disagree with me all you want. But that's how I feel. I think he's going to be great. There's no 
other way that I could see this. I think if he admits that he wants to take a little less money to stay with the Bucks, then most likely I think he'll get re-signed by Tampa. Now, it all depends on how, if, money-wise, if money-wise, how they, if they do, re-sign or sign Jameis Winston to that reported two-year $27 million deal, which is equivalent of a franchise tag, money-wise, cap-wise, per year. I think wherever he goes, he's going to be great. I'm excited to see where he goes. 13 career force fumbles so much that he adds to a team. I'm excited to see where this goes. I believe we got another free agent we're going to talk about here. Actually, no, we don't. So, we did our three free agents today. Let me know. Sorry, this seems a little bit disorganized. The scheduling this week has been crazy. Had a concert last night. Post Malone's a great artist. So, Skill Barrett is a great defensive player. Adds so much value. I think if he does resign with the Bucks, I think it could be a good idea, but I think I disagree with him. I think if he goes to the Raiders, I think it would be a great fit. Let me know. Where do you think Shaquille Barrett will go? Would he resign with Tampa, go to the Raiders, or another team? Let me know on a voice message on Anchor, and we will discuss on a future episode of The Other Dude with John Encore. Now... So my last topic today we're talking about on the more off-season news is when do we call a player or what classifies an NFL player as a bust? Even early on in their career. I think the work ethic and how they are as a leader totally classify him as a bust. Perfect example is Jamar- Jamarcus Russell. Now, we'll go back to this topic in a later episode of The Other Dude with John Alcorn. But let me know. And we will discuss this on a future episode. Now, of course, the Dolphins released safety Rashard Jones to free up about almost $5.5 million in cap. Now, this is telling me that the Miami, the Miami Dolphins are in full rebuild mode. Every position they need to address. They have like 14 picks in this year's draft. And I believe they got two or three complimentary picks. So about almost 17 picks in this year's draft. They have a lot of positions. or Pretty much every position to address. Offense, defense, special teams, everything. So then they need to be smart with the amount of positions that they have. They need to be smart about the money that they have. Because I believe they have the highest cap this offseason. And we will discuss the Dolphins and their free agency and draft discussion needs on a future episode the other dude. But when they have that many picks, they need to be smart. They're in full rebuild mode, and I'm excited to see what they do. Now, I would ask you, what kind of dra- quarterback should they draft, but who? We will discuss that on a future episode of the other dude when we talk about the Miami Dolphins free agent slash draft discussions. But. We're going to move on to this last topic of the day. Sorry, it seems a little bit disorganized, but you know what? I'm working on it. Now, remember earlier when we talked about the Texans making dumb signings? They signed their kicker, Kami Fairbam, on a $9 million deal guaranteed for four years. Basically makes him, if not the highest paid kicker in the league. He's not better than Ryan Gold. He sure is... Heck, not better than Justin Tucker. He's definitely not better than half of the kickers in this league. Who hasn't developed as a superstar. And you're paying almost $10 million guaranteed. So basically at that time. You have so many positions to address. Like I just said. On the offense and the defensive side of the ball. And you re-sign a kicker who hasn't developed. As a superstar, pro bowl, all pro caliber kicker in this league. This has to be the dumbest thing that they could do. This is what, exactly what I talk about. When you have a head coach that, acts, that is a GM and a head coach. This could be a big issue. Because the Texans have... Do they re-sign Carlos Hyde or Duke Johnson? And I just read a report that came out. Texans, Carlos Hyde and Lamar Miller are expected to enter free agency. So if they lose Carlos Hyde... 
I'm not sure if they re-signed Duke Johnson. And then if they lose those talented guys that have helped Sean Watson develop as a quarterback, they're going to struggle. And then they re-signed a kicker who hasn't developed as a just superstar kicker in this league. I believe kicker and the NFL kicker still has tremendous value in this league. Justin Tucker, Ryan Gold, especially in that game against the Redskins in the rain. It showed time and time again that they add tremendous value. Now, I will ask you all a question, and we will address it. Do you think the Houston Texans re-signing their kicker was a smart free agent move? Let me know. We will just continue to discuss. I think it was a terrible, stupid idea. Because when you have a guy who, a kicker who hasn't developed, who hasn't improved, and you're re-signing a kicker to a new record-breaking deal when you still have so many positions on the offense, you still need to re-sign your left tackle, Laramie Tunsil, and still have so many issues on the defensive side of the ball. It doesn't make any sense. You want to succeed as a team, yet you continually make these dumb decisions time and time again that are hurting your team, and somehow you don't realize this. I don't understand how time and time again we can keep making these mistakes. The Texans have had so many players come into their team. That a bit talented. Andre Johnson wasted so many years with Matt Schaub at quarterback. How can you honestly tell me that this kicker is going to get you to new heights? That kicker, re-signing him, isn't going to address or make your offense better. Isn't going to make your defense better. Sure isn't going to make your special teams better when he hasn't developed as a kicker. It's hard to have a kicker long-term in their career. Ask Justin Tucker. Ask Matt Prater. Ask Ryan Gold. It's very rare. This has to be the dumb, dumbest thing that the Texans have done in a long time. Now I can be like, John, you're overreacting. You're doing this or that. At the end of the day, the fact that matters, I am not overreacting here. It's because when you have so many businesses on the offense and defense to address financially, either in free agency and or the draft, you sign a guy to a record-breaking deal for a kicker who isn't as good as the other five top five eight kickers in the league it just doesn't make any sense that's like paying me as a quarterback who has a as a an employee for your company who isn't necessarily as good as others or hasn't developed or hasn't improved as an employee it doesn't make any sense let me i'll ask you all this again and i'm gonna go because this is frustrating me do you think houston texans re-signing their kicker was a good or a bad first free agent move of the 2020 offseason? Let me know, and we will discuss on the later episode of The Other Dude. There, there's obviously a lot of free agency stuff to discuss. I'm excited to talk about it. This is The Other Dude with John Corn signing off. I will see y'all tomorrow.